it is my privilege, and I'd love you to stand to your feet and welcome our newest youth pastor who will speak the word to you this morning, Josh Norgren. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, we are, my wife uh, was with me on Friday night. She's, she's with us now online. Hi, babe. Um, we are so pumped to be here. We are so pumped. The last time uh, my wife and I stood on this stage, um, this entire church was praying for us. We were going through something with our second-born son, Finn. I got some pictures of Finn I'm going to show to you right now. And um, he was born uh, fine, healthy, and eating, but he was what you call, or what our doctor would call, a spitty baby. And um, the doctor just said, don't worry, he'll catch on, he'll catch on. But over time, he just rapidly fell off the growth charts. And he was eating, but he was refluxing so bad that he wasn't gaining weight. He was getting skinnier and skinnier and sicker and sicker. And I mean, literally, our, our son was dying before our eyes. Um, we didn't feel like we were getting the right help we needed. So Taylor hopped on a, a plane to Hawaii where we have a friend here who... Um, well, she's into naturopathic medicine and all that. And basically she was the one that just rung the alarm and said, you just, you need to go, you need to take Finn right now and, and go to the emergency room and check him in. So we did at Kapiolani and, and they were awesome. They, they got him hooked up to an NG tube and he um, started slowly, started packing on ounces and then pounds. And uh, we just celebrated our, our son's fourth birthday. So here he is today, Finn, <laughs> praise the Lord. He, he really is just this little like meatball scrapper. Um, he, he loves the ocean, getting pounded by waves. And uh, we're just so absolutely thankful that the Lord spared his life, that you guys would rally around us and, and pray for our boys. So I want to just thank you for that. Um, I want you to know that whenever you can go to the next slide, this is a picture of my family. Um, there we are, super happy to be in warm, clean ocean. And then go to the next one. Uh, this is my wife with our four kids. And um, so you see Finn there on your left. Uh, next to him is our youngest baby, Eve. And then next to her is big sister, Sunny. She's our third child. And then um, on the end, on your right, is my oldest son, Jack. And then, of course, my beautiful bride, Taylor. Um, whenever we would visit Hawaii, uh, we would come to this church we love this church. And uh, when Pastor Carl gave me a call, I, 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 was, I was full of joy. So I want you to know how incredibly excited we are to be here. And, and I know you guys have been going through um, God's stories, and, and you get a two for today. There's Finn's story, and, and now I want to share a little bit about, about mine and, and Taylor's as well. Um, my wife is born and raised here in Hawaii. She grew up paddling in Kailua. Um, she loves everything that is green and salty, and um, she just loves it. She's a mermaid. Um, my family moved here when I was two and a half. Um, I was born in Chicago, and then we moved to Hawaii. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> my dad planted a church called Hope Chapel South Shore. It's right down in Waikiki. It's still there today. It's called Hope Chapel Waikiki now, and that is uh, led by a big Hawaiian man by the name of Dennis Salas. Uh, a lot of people call him Brother D. 
And he's doing a great job and a great work down there as well. So I grew up in the church. I was um, playing bass guitar and eventually started worship leading at my dad's church in the mornings. And then in, in the evening, I would head on over to Hope Chapel Hawaii Kai because there was just a bunch of young people going there. Um, it was a ton of fun. All my friends were there. There were cute girls there. Um, I admit, I was the one playing bass and I was horrible at leading worship because I caused this one particular girl to stumble week after week after week. So we got married. Um, that was my beautiful wife, Taylor. Um, we met in, in Hope Chapel, Hawaii Kai. We got married and <clears throat> the Lord was just doing something in our lives um, on multiple levels. But to make a really long story shorter, um, we decided to move to California. Uh, she was interested in furthering her education. And for me, I grew up playing in bands. That was just like my thing. Um, playing in ska bands, punk rock bands, worship bands. And I mean, we, we played everywhere you can play on Oahu. We did tours to Molokai even, um, Big Island, Maui. We even played in Houston, Texas and California. We decided as a band, if we're really going to make it, if we're really going to go for it, we need to move to the Golden State. So we decided to, to move. And I was the first one of the band to be like, all right, let's do this. We're moving. So Taylor and I uh, moved to California. Well, we had just gotten there and I was all freaked out because LAX is gnarly. 405 is scary. And um, we were at Vanguard University. It was, it was her first evening of class. We were getting Taylor all dialed in, signing all the papers. Um, I was even, I had the checkbook. We were writing another check and she was gonna start class that night. And we were in the business office and in the office there's this, this woman by the name of Sue Rebar, who I'm convinced uh, the Lord sent as an angel, but full of the Holy Spirit, this, this little woman was, you know, getting us, all locked in and dialed in for, for Taylor's class to begin. I had it in my head, all right, I'm gonna write this class, I'm gonna write this check, I'm gonna give my, my wife a kiss, and then I'm gonna go drive through Jack in the Box and get chicken sandwiches for 99 cents. That was my plan. I have big dreams. Um, so Sue, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just looks right at me, like through the windows of, of my soul, right into my eyes. And she says, what are you doing here? And I was like kind of taken, taken back a little bit. And I said, uh, I'm just here to drop off my wife and kiss her goodbye. And then I'm going to go eat. And she said, no, what are you doing here? And so I was, I was taken back a little further. And I thought, what am I doing in California? And I'm like, well, that's, that's easy. I'm here to rock. <laughs> I'm ready to make it and go big. And she asked me a third time, what are you doing here? And at this point, I, I didn't even know what to say. I was like, I, I don't know. Who am I? What is this life? I, 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 would you please tell me what am I doing on this planet? Because I, I, right now I really don't know what to say. And she said to me, I think there's a class starting tonight. And I believe with all my soul, you are supposed to sit in on it. And I was super freaked out because I was never a great student and I didn't do well in college and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I'm like, I don't have anything. 
She goes, here's a pad and here's a pen. That's all you need. How long is it? Four hours. Oh, but chicken sandwiches. She said, there's vending machines in the courtyard. I'm like, so I went, I went to this class and I sat in on this class in this room and I felt like this huge sore thumb. I do not belong in here. And I sat down in this class and there was a man in the front, a professor by the name of Bill Doctorum. And the Lord used this man so mightily to speak into my life over those next four hours. The only way I can really describe it is, it was as if growing up in church, I had, I had received or gathered all these pearls like a pearl of truth or a story from the Bible that I remembered or a point that some preacher made that stuck with me or a worship song that cut me to my soul. It was as if I had all this, these handful of pearls that I didn't know what to do with that I had you know, just received growing up all my life. And in that class, it was as if the Lord himself reached down and took a string and connected all those pearls and made them all into a necklace that lined up that for the first time in life, I, I realized that all the little stories in here made up one bigger story, a story of redemption, a love story a story about a God who is so jealous for his people and so madly in love and in pursuit of rescue. And and I was hooked and this book became alive to me like it had never been before. It was as if the Lord just kind of flipped on a switch in my heart and in my head. And and all of a sudden this thing started making sense to me and speaking to me in, in radical ways. It was crazy. And I was hooked. And the Lord intervened in, in such an, a, a tremendous way because I mean, I, I had five college credits to my, to my name, thanks to KCC. I, I know one of them had to do with drama and the other one was probably something ridiculous like underwater basket weaving or something. And thanks to Diamond Head because I'd always go surf Diamond Head and I'd miss all my classes. There was all this red tape that had to be cut through but Sue believed it for me and my wife believed it for me and my wife took me back to school shopping And her and I became study buddies. And the craziest part was, the Lord spoke to me um, in those days, during that time, and and he, he told me to do something. And it's not an audible voice like my voice, you know, coming through a microphone in sound waves going into your ear and vibrating your eardrum. It was a deep gut feeling And the Lord asked me to lay down my guitar. This was really difficult because the rest of my band now had started moving up to to California and they started booking gigs. And so I was getting calls saying, hey, Josh, we got this gig. It's coming up. It's a youth rally. It's going to be rad. There's going to be tons of kids there. We need you to play. Go ahead and black out this date. We're going to rehearse on this date. And here I am on the other side of the phone and I'm just, I said, I'm sorry, I, I can't make it. Gig after gig, I just said, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't be there. And they were super confused. This is the whole reason we moved up here. What's wrong with you? I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, I had, every, I had the tattoos. I was ready. I had jumps. Like, I could play that bass, and I could jump super high. Um, I was learning how to, like, spin my guitar around and catch it so it didn't crack me in the back of the head, but I could catch it and look really cool and keep going. I mean, I had, I had the image, I was ready, I was so ready for, to make it and to go for it with music. 
And the Lord said, no, I want you to stop. And I was so depressed. I had played in bands for so long that I, I, I really didn't know what to do with myself. And it felt as if the Lord reached down and grabbed the side of my arm and took hold of a badge, like an ID badge, something I was really proud of, and he grabbed it and he just ripped it right off. He started speaking to me uh, through a verse, Romans 1.1. It's where Paul says who he is. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And I started realizing how Paul found his identity that it was in Jesus Christ. His identity was in Jesus plus nothing else. And that word servant, Paul, a servant, that word servant, we can translate it to the word slave, a willing slave, someone who put themselves into slavery willingly without an expiration date. This was Paul. This was where he found his identity. Because Paul had badges too. He had a lot of them and a lot to be proud of. And then he goes on to say in Philippians 3.8 that he counts them all as rubbish. The King James Version says dung, doo-doo. He counts them as nothing as compared, compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And so there I was. I moved to California for music. That is the reason why I moved. And there I was saying no to every phone call and every gig that came my way. And there I was in California, a nobody, no accomplishments. Nobody knew who I was. No one knew what I could do with a bass guitar in my hands. I was a nobody and the Lord absolutely loved it. You know, I think we all wear, wear badges in life. I really do. Um, there are some that we're just so proud of. Maybe it's a title or a success. Um, it's the way you per portray yourself to how people see you. Maybe it's a job. Um, there's things that we just take so much pride in and this becomes our identity. This is how the world around us knows who we are and how we know ourselves. And I think when we take too much pride in it, I think the Lord just loves to reach down and just rip that badge off and teach us a little bit about humility. And then there's others. There's badges on a flip side of us where they cause us to be fully ashamed. And maybe it was a, a word that was spoken to you by, by your father or your mother or a loved one or, or a, someone you thought was a friend and it was negative and it, that word haunts you and it's how you see yourself. And, and that badge you wear says unlovable. Or maybe it's the way you look and you hate your hair or you hate your height or you hate your body type. And it's you looking in the mirror and, and you saying to, to yourself, you're so unlovable. Or maybe you wear a badge that just says, I'm a failure. 
And with those two, I believe that the Lord just loves to reach down and rip off those badges and give you a new one that says daughter. Give you a new one that says son. And then he, call, and then he grafts us into his family and he calls us royalty. A professor once told me, he started off his lecture like this. He said, Jesus Christ is not interested in making your life better. Jesus wants to kill you. That was a heavy class. <laughs> you know, I had dreamed of going big with a music career. The whole reason I moved and he led me up to California to do something else. And I realized something as I was preparing this message for today, that I died in California. The Lord literally smashed me to pieces. And then before he even started thinking about putting me back together again, he led me into the darkness. Pastor Carl talked about a self-examination last week. He challenged each and every one of us to get alone with the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to probe our hearts. and to have a self-examination. What's crazy is, as he was speaking last week, I just, I remembered, I remember one of my classes, one of the requirements was we were to keep a journal. But before we were to journal, we were to take our Bibles, go somewhere, in, go somewhere where no, nowhere else was, and in silence and in solitude, we were first to read, and then we were to just sit and listen. He said, don't pray. I don't want you to sing a worship song. Not yet. I don't want you to pray. Not yet. I don't want you to journal. Not yet. I just want you to sit. Sit quietly before your Lord, your God. Just sit and just listen. And I was so pumped on, you know, this, this new school experience and um, this renewed love for, for studying that I was like, okay, I'm down, I'm in. So I'd wake up in the morning, I'd grab my, my mug of coffee and I'd grab my Bible and my journal and I'd head out to this park bench and I would meet with the Lord. And that's when it got really weird. In the silence, the Lord started speaking to me. He started, he started dredging my heart and my soul and churning things up. And one of the first things that came up for me was a friend that I had wronged here in Hawaii. And this was a dear friend. This guy is one of those guys, you could be broken down, your car could break down on the North Shore, he could be at Diamond Head, and this guy, you call him up, he would drive to the North Shore and he would pick you up. And then he'd wait with you and get your car towed and he was that guy. Selfless, loving, a good friend. And I wronged him. And he didn't even know it. And the Lord reminded me of that. And it was so heavy. The only thing I could do is I had, I had to call him. And I called him and I said, Bruce, I'm so sorry, man. This is, this is what I did to you. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. And will you please forgive me? We had a great conversation. We prayed together. 
he forgave me. I felt like a huge weight had been lifted. And I was like, thank you, Lord. And we hung up the phone and I was just so relieved. And then the next morning it happened again. I met with the Lord and then again, he reminded me of something else and I had to call someone else and I had to, I had to make restoration with someone else. And the morning after that, and the morning after that, he, had dredged, he st- just started dredging up everything because what I had done for so long is I lived two lives growing up in the church. I had these compartments in my heart that I sealed off with darkness and the darkness just festered in there for years. And the Lord said, I want that darkness. I want it. Give it to me and I'm gonna shine my light in there. And it was so painful and so hard. And the absolute worst, worst one for me had to do with sexual sin. I was very promiscuous in my teenage years. I met my, my, my soon-to-be wife in the midst of all that. She asked me to be truthful with her. She wanted to know who I was, and and so I started to tell her about me, and then I chickened out. I told her a half-truth. Basically, I I lied. And someone who lies is a liar. I'm a liar. I am a liar. We took a trip from Costa Mesa to Arizona. We hopped in a minivan with my, my aunt and my uncle. Taylor and I were in the captain's chairs behind them, and we drove out to Arizona. I had a great visit with my grandparents who were snowbirding in the desert, and we were driving back. And my wife had ex- been experiencing, pretty much ever since we got married, gnarly stomach pains. It was so bad it would affect her eating she would experience a ton of pain and discomfort. It would come and go in waves. And she was having an episode in the van on this drive home. And I was looking out the window and she's just writhing in pain. And so I'm just, I'm just praying in my heart and in my head to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, would you, would you heal my, my wife? Would you intervene somehow in some way? Lord, would you give us wisdom on what to do? Where do we go? What doctor? Like, what foods do we cut out? What's, what's wrong? Lord, would you just illuminate what's going on. And in that moment, the Lord reminded me of my lies and my half-truths. And the Lord was saying, I want you to confess this. And I was like, no, anything but that. I had sealed it off for so long. I was like, ah, I, ah. but I was already in this rhythm of confession that as soon as we got home, I said, Taylor, I got to talk to you. And I just, I just told her everything. I said, I lied to you and I'm so sorry. This is who I am. This is how ugly I am. This is the ugly man that you married. He's a liar. And she started crying. I'm crying. I, I like reached in. I broke her heart. The Lord reached in and he broke my heart. And there we were together, all alone in California, just completely broken. But for the first time in my life, she knew me. I had nothing to hide. I was like, here I am. And as painful as that was, as much as I hated hearing the words come out of my mouth, 
the Lord finally used that confession to begin a healing process that I'm so thankful for. And 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, never made so much sense to me in all my life. It says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. <coughs> but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And I finally had that fellowship with my wife oneness, intimacy. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, spoken out loud, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I, had, I longed to be pure but I couldn't do it on my own. It's interesting because the, the, the gospel of John, you know, it says 3.16, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But if you keep reading on, John talks about how men love darkness because it conceals their evil deeds. But we are called to be in the light as he is in the light. And I think the Lord just loves exposing darkness where the dark, darkness festers and he shines light. The darkness has to flee in Jesus' name. But it's what we do. We lie and we cover up and we run and we hide. We've been doing it from the beginning, right? Genesis chapter three, we hide. And I believe that confession is the springboard into an ocean of grace. It's scary climbing up there. It's scary looking down. It is so absolutely frightening to have that conversation, to confess and hear, hear those words come out of your mouth. But when you land, you land in this crazy ocean of grace and then everything makes sense. And I know day after day too, like the hymn says, come thou found, says prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's like we're this crown of creation. God made us and we're this crown of creation. Yet at the same time, we're all just mud puppets. We're creatures and we just, we run off and we go astray. And that's why self-examinations help bring us back under his light. I fully believe in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And that is why we need this. We need to meet together. That is why we need mini church and accountability partners and self-examinations so that we can confess and we can be healed. Because our God is a redeemer 
In Psalm 103, David writes, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. I'm so thankful. For so long, I could not praise the Lord with all my inmost being because I had these compartments sealed off. No one's allowed in there. I even started tricking myself that maybe they don't even exist. I started believing the lie. I stuffed it down so deep. And when that came out, when the Lord uprooted that that sin in my life and exposed through great confession and his light eradicated darkness, I said, oh my goodness, for the first time in in my life, I can say, praise the Lord in my inmost soul. You know me. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Our God is the great redeemer. He takes like silly, stupid badges and rips them off. And then he puts a crown of royalty on our heads. And in thinking about that, that imagery, then I I can, the only thing I can think about is taking off that crown and putting it down and getting on my face before the Lord and say, God, there's no one like you. You're so great. Thank you for loving a wretched man like me. And the Lord would go on from there. Shortly after this, I wrote my first sermon about love. And I preached it in a tent, kind of like this, to a bunch of high school students. And the Lord put a heart in me for students. My wife and I ended up taking over a youth pastor position at Hope Chapel Huntington Beach. The same youth group that Carl and Kanani pastored And as they were gearing up to come back to Hawaii, the Lord was raising up Taylor and I to take on this this position there. We went on to Ventura Missionary Church in Ventura, California, where I was on staff for 10 years. As a youth pastor, and then the Lord did something so rad. I never never applied for any position. I never filled out one application. But the Lord just raised me up and he, he made me into a worship pastor at this church for a number of years where I, I was able to lead God's people and rock. I was able to rock out, but it was, this time it was for Jesus, not for myself. And the badge that I wore on my side, it was just, God, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. I'm your slave. I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And the Lord said, here you go. I want you to be a worship pastor. And that was so cool. And my wife, was, my wife and I have dreamed about moving home, back to Hawaii to raise our kids. And there is no church we'd rather be with and partner with to go through life and to have a church family love on my kids and for my family to love on you guys. There's, no, there's nowhere else we'd rather be but here. I'm gonna lead us in a couple prayers. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me just out of reverence for the Lord and to minimize distraction. Maybe you're here today and like part of my story is speaking to your heart. And I'm thankful for that. I just wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand or anything. You know who you are. Holy Spirit, as you move through this room, 
as you see everything, you know our stories better than we do. Lord God, I ask that you would give boldness and courage to those who need to have a hard conversation. Those in here who have been concealing, living a double life, concealing sin, maybe it's a habitual sin, you've been trying on your own to knock it out, but you haven't experienced freedom and you haven't experienced healing and that's because there's been no confession. I pray for you, I pray for boldness, that God would give you boldness to go have the conversation that you're supposed to have and that you would climb that scary ladder and that you'd take that scary leap and confess your sins to one another, but that you would experience an ocean of grace and healing in Jesus' name. For those of you who've worn badges that you've been completely ashamed of, maybe it was from your father or your mother or a spouse, I don't know, Maybe it's just in your head and something you've carried around. It's how you define yourself and it's so shameful and it hurts. Holy Spirit, would you heal that heart? God, I ask that you would remove that badge and your loving kindness, Lord, you'd minister to their very soul and call them daughter, son, I love you. And let them know that they're a king's kid that he doesn't see you as that word. He sees you as his kid and he loves you and he fights for you and his love for you is relentless. He pursues you. God, if there's those of us in here who wear badges that just bring us a ton of pride, I pray that you would strip our badges. Lord, you'd help us learn what it means to be a servant. That we would be like Christ. We would be Christians that we would humble ourselves and learn how to serve others. And if there's anyone here, I just want to take one more moment. If there's anyone here, maybe it's your first time in this church, thousandth time, I don't know, and you've never received Jesus Christ, or maybe you did and you've just been running, and today's your day to come home. If you want to receive Jesus, I want to pray for you. My son, Finn, when he was born, his body would resist food. It would reject the very thing that was going to give him life. And so my wife was praying a word over him that he would receive in Jesus' name. And if that's you, you want to receive life today. You want to receive Jesus. You want to come home or for the first time in your life, allow the Lord to come into your heart. Would you let me know who I'm praying for by just putting your hand nice and high in the air. I'm the only one looking around. Just put your hand high in the air. All right, right on. I see one over here on my left. You're right. Anyone else? Nice and high. Praise the Lord right in the middle. Praise God. My sister, I see you on my right. Anyone else? Nice and high. There's three of you. You may put your hands down. Anyone else? All right, then we're going to pray for the, with these three as they come home or invite Jesus in for the first time. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer. This, this Saying this prayer doesn't make you a Christian. What counts is that you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and you confess him as Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9. 
So a simple prayer, I'm gonna ask you to repeat nice and loud after me. A, a simple prayer goes like this. Heavenly Father, nice and loud. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. I believe that he died and he rose again, conquering sin and he conquered death so that I could live. Forgive my sins, oh Lord. Heal my heart, God. Holy Spirit, make a home in me and teach me how to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, church. Praise our God. There is no one like him. Praise the Lord. And for you three, I would ask that you'd go out those side doors and you'd visit us in the tent that we can get you set up and just equipped. We can't do this alone. We need each other. We need help. And for those of you, you've had this, you've gone through the churning and God has worked in your heart and you're thankful for forgiveness. Would you stand? Let's all stand. And our only response is worship. Let's worship our King. He is worthy of all praise. Thank you.